Matthew chapter 12, if you're, um, if you're visiting with us, there's a sermon outline in your bulletin this morning. You're welcome to pull that out. And you can kind of follow along as we go through the message this morning and, uh, and take notes if you desire to. Uh, starting a new sermon series this morning. It's going to be several weeks long. It's actually a requested sermon series. Uh, someone asked me to, to speak on uh, these, this subject, and we're going to be talking over the next few uh, weeks about the words uh, that we use and, and, um, and what we say to folks, kind of going back to the children's sermon there a little bit. And what we want to talk about this morning, we're going to get into a number of specific issues in the weeks to come. We're going to talk about gossip. We're going to talk about anger and how we say angry words sometimes. We're going to talk about cursing and some other stuff. Uh, this morning what we want to start with is, I think oftentimes we don't take this issue seriously. So we want to look at some passages here in Matthew, or some verses here in Matthew, and then we're going to go over to James a little bit and, uh, and look at some verses that uh, uh, help us, I hope, to appreciate uh, what, we're, what we're dealing with here. Matthew chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 33. Matthew 12, 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit you brood of vipers how can you who are evil say anything good for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. Michael Lofthouse, uh, September of last year, uh, he was the CEO of a, of a tech company out in um, San Francisco, and um, he was in a restaurant and was recorded. Uh, there was a, a, a family there, and he, um, we don't know the exact motive, but started a racist rant toward this family. And as sometimes happens, it was caught on video. Uh, the video was posted. It went viral. He ended up uh, needing to voluntarily because he recognized the damage he had done. He resigned as CEO of his company um, and, and lost his job because in a moment of, of anger and, and um, racial stupidity uh, said words that were racist and happened to be recorded in a way that caused everybody to be able to know that um, lost his job, which was a fully justified penalty uh, for that kind of thought and action. When we think about the words that we use, we sometimes will look at a situation like that where somebody says something horrific like that, and, and we think, okay, now that's, that's terrible. Those, those are words that are absolutely horrible. But I, I don't do that kind of stuff. I, I don't I don't use words like that. And so there are certain people who are using words in a way that are so bad that, yeah, like that's serious sin. But in my life, that's not really true. If you have your sermon outline on, we want to, or this morning, I'm sorry, if you have your sermon outline on this morning, we want to start with, but it's only words. 
Often we think of actions as being serious, but words as being insignificant. Often we think of actions as being serious, but words as being insignificant. So the premise of this opening sermon is the fact that we often excuse our sins when it comes to the words that we say. Sure, there's somebody like Michael Lofthouse who's doing terrible things like that. But, you know, I, I know I need to be careful about the actions that I do. I know I need to, to, to not do this, that, or the other, you know, things that, that are serious sins. But, you know, they're just words. They're just words. And so the, the sins or the, the things that I say, you know, as long as I don't say something horrible like that guy did, you know, none of those are big deals. And before we get into gossip and anger and lying and, and some of the other specific issues we're going to deal with, this morning we need to kind of set the stage by looking at a, a few passages that indicate to us the words that we use are serious before God. The words that we use are a serious thing. And it's not, well, you know, it's only words. But there are serious consequences to what we say. And we need to be careful with what we're doing. We want to start in Matthew chapter 12. And as we look there, we're going to look at 34 through 35 and then 36 and 37 before we go over to the book of James for a second. There's five things I want to share this morning in talking about how we should take our words seriously. Number one is this. Your words reveal who you are. Your, your words reveal who you are. So, as you look at 34 and 35 in our passage, it speaks directly to a comment that's often made when, let's take anger, for instance. Somebody will have an angry outburst, and uh, they'll, they'll uh, say all these things that are horrible in the angry outburst. And then after that, when if they feel a little bit bad about it and trying to make an excuse for that, they'll say, you know, that, that's not really who I, I that's not who I really am. Like, they, they just made me mad. They, they provoked me. And so I said those words, but that's not really who I am. That's a crock. Because it says in 34 and 35, look at our passage for this morning. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? Here it is. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. This goes back to what we said a moment ago when we talked about the idea that you know, words aren't that big a deal. Words don't really accurately reflect who I am. It's, you know, it's just words. It's not that big a deal. And we need to begin with the fact that, according to Jesus, remember these are words in red here, that what our mouth speaks is a very clear indication of what is inside of us. To go back to that example that, we, that I used a minute ago, it, you know, when somebody says, I'm not an angry person, I was provoked. You know, that person provoked me, and that's why I said that I wasn't an angry person. Well, first of all, if you're only not angry when you're not provoked, that's not really anything to brag about, you know? The, the whole point of being a calm person, the whole point of having control over anger is that in a situation where I am provoked and where I have reason to use my anger and I want to use my anger, in that situation, no, I, I maintain my anger and keep it under control. That's somebody who has self-control. 
If you, when you are in a situation where you're provoked to anger, use your anger. That means you're an angry person. It means you do have an anger problem. And instead we'll say, no, I'm not really an anger problem. It was just, it was just that situation. No. What does he say? Look at this passage. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If you, to go to subjects we're going to talk about, if you say, I'm not an angry person, it's just when I'm provoked. I, I don't really, I don't really gossip. I mean, it's just sometimes I'll talk to my best friend, but I don't really gossip. Or, you know, I, I don't lie. Well, like, if it's an awkward situation, then I'll. No. If you use angry words, you are an angry person. If you gossip to anybody, you are a gossip. If you lie, you are a liar. Why? Because what does it say here? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We can't make this disconnect between what, I, what is coming out of my mouth and the person that I am and what my heart is. What is coming out of your mouth is an accurate reflection of who you are. If your mouth is speaking lies, you're a liar. If your mouth is speaking gossip, you're a gossip. If your mouth is speaking angry things, you are a person who has an anger issue. It's as simple as this. I'm not going to do this because I don't want to make a mess. But, you know, if, if I take this bottle, if I take the top off of this bottle and I put pressure on the sides of this bottle, what's going to come out of that? Water. There's water inside. If I put pressure on it, water's going to come out. If, if there is anger inside of me and you put pressure on my life, what's going to come out of me? Anger. And so we need to first own up the reality that what we are uh, shows up in the words that we use. Verse 35, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What do the words that I use in a given week say about the state of my heart? What does it say about who I am? Whether I'm a person who is pursuing the things of God or a person who is pursuing the things of self. What do my words say about who I really am? Which leads us to the second thing, which is in the verses right after that. The second thing is this. Your words are a solid basis for God to judge you. Your words are a solid basis for God to judge you. So let's go back to the thing I said at the beginning where it's mere words. It's not really actions. It's not that big a deal. Um, there are a number of verses in the New Testament that are really frightening. Uh, we won't go over to Matthew, uh, to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But you know, there's a passage in, in the Sermon on the Mount there where Jesus says, uh, you know, basically, if we're not willing to forgive others, our Heavenly Father won't forgive us. That's a frightening passage. When you really ponder what it means, it should scare the heck out of you. Well, look at this, these words right here. If you want to be scared this morning, here's a good place to be scared, 36. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. We'll get to 37 in a second. I really like that phrase, every empty word. Because I, I think like, I'll use Steve, for instance. So Steve knew he was going to get up here and say the prayer this morning. So I'm sure he thought through, okay, this is what I want to say. Because I'm going to be in front of everybody. I want to, to say something that is meaningful. I'm sure Bill, as he got up this morning, he knew he wanted to share that story. So he thought through the story he was going to share because he knew it was an important word and an important moment. And then there are empty words. 
Like, just kind of throwaway words where we don't really think that much about it. You know, we're, we're talking to somebody and they say something to me and as we turn, we, we, even if it's under our breath, nobody else knows, we turn and we say a cuss word about them. Because we didn't like what they said and we think they're horrible. And so we say a cuss word as we turn around. Nobody heard. It's an empty word. It's, it's, you know, who heard that? Well, God did. I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word. I'm talking to somebody at work and I say something to them and it's insulting. And they never go tell anybody else. They never go complain to their spouse or the boss. It was just me and them. And after that moment, you know, I kind of walk away and I never think about it again. It was just a worthless word. It was an empty word. Guess what? If I was insulting in that moment, rude, that's included there. Every empty word will be, is being paid attention to by God. When, when we think about the words that we say in front of a group of people or when we're really thinking through what we want to tell somebody, we might, even then we probably shouldn't, but we might in that situation say, okay, you know, I, I think I'm good with what I say. But when you, you say every empty word, all the throwaway words I've used, every time I've been by myself and said something I shouldn't, every time I, I've, I've been angry or gossiped when nobody else knew, do I really want to be judged for all those? Then look at 37. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. What's that mean? It means that, going back to what we were talking about a minute ago, we sometimes make this disconnect between, you know, what we say and the person we really are. And I think what 37 is saying is, you, you can tell the person you really are by the words that you use. By the words that you use, we can tell if you should be acquitted. By the words we use, we can tell if we should be condemned. And so we need to, again, not make that disconnect between, well, I am this person. I know I say that stuff, but I really am this person over here. No, we need to be careful because what is coming out of us is a true reflection of us. I heard uh, uh, of a rabbi this week that was talking about me. He said, you know, he put it this way. He said, if you can't go 24 hours without a drink, you're an alcoholic. If you can't go 24 hours without a smoke, you're addicted to nicotine. And if we can't go 24 hours without saying a word of anger or gossip or a lie, then we're addicted to those negative words. We, we need to pay attention to how those words reflect who we really are. Now, I want to go over to James. Look back with me. We're starting James 1 and then go to James 3. For the third, fourth, and fifth point. James 1, 26. And then James 3, 2. James 1, 26. James 1, 26 says this. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep the tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Third thing is this. Your words are both a basic and advanced test of the genuineness of your faith. Your words are both a basic and advanced test of the genuineness of your faith. So we've kind of set this up. 
um, a, a minute ago, talking about the fact that words do reflect who we really are. And now in James, he brings out, in James 1, he's talking about it as a basic test. And we'll go over in James 3 in a second and talk about it as an advanced test. So this morning, if you're here and you are a brand new Christian and you just got saved this year and you're just kind of starting out, James chapter 1 is for you. We're going to talk about that. If, you, if you're here this morning, you've been a Christian for 25 years, and you are walking with the Lord, James chapter 3 has a test for you. And so we're going to get to both of those. Let's start with the James 1 test. So we just read this a moment ago. Those who consider themselves religious. Now here, he's not using religious in the negative sense like sometimes we talk about in the Gospels where there was an empty religion. But here he's talking about you know somebody trying to pursue God. It's, it's an honest thing here. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Um, so as a basic test, as a, okay, am I pursuing something that is worthwhile? Am I pursuing something that is valuable in terms of my relationship with God? One of the tests, it's not the only test, we can get into other passages, but one of the tests is what is coming off my tongue? What, what words am I saying as I go forward? Because, just to pick one example that we'll get into in the sermon later, if I say, you know, man, I, I love Jesus so much and I, I, I want to follow him and he's the passion of my life and at the same time I'm dropping cuss words all the time. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight brain on their tongue to see themselves. Now, it's, I need to understand if I'm not incorporating what I'm saying, if I'm not incorporating the words I'm using into my spiritual progress, if I go and say, now my actions matter, but my words are irrelevant, it doesn't matter, I'm not really understanding what God intends to do. God does not just intend to transform what I do. He intends to transform what I say. He intends to transform what comes out of my mouth. And so I need to be paying attention to whether my words are being transformed if I'm a brand new Christian so that I can see whether or not my religion is worthless and it's something empty or whether I'm genuinely following Christ. Look with me over in James chapter 3. It gives us an advanced test there. James 3 in verse 2. James 3 in verse 2. Now for those of us this morning here who have been Christians for a while, it says there, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So first of all, he acknowledges at the beginning of verse 2 there, we all stumble in many ways. So we're all going to fall short. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to um, uh, not measure up to the fullness of Christ. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to measure up to the fullness of Christ. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be pursuing all of God that we can. But you know, we're all, we're all going to stumble at different times. Why? Because even as I become mature in Christ, while I'm in this life, I'm still a fallen creature. And there's still going to be times where I'm going to mess up. Now, as we grow in Christ, we should be messing up less and less and less. We should be growing to become more like Him. There should be sin less. We should be sinning less. We're not going to become in this life sinless. But as a Christian, we should sin less in this life. And so we are going to stumble in many ways. All right. So, Jim, okay, I'm going to stumble in many ways. As I'm trying to mature, I've been a Christian now for 25 years, let's say, or somebody's been a Christian for 30 years. As I grow in Christ, how can I tell? What's one of the tests that I can tell whether I'm, I'm really getting closer to God? What's one test where I can tell whether I'm really getting closer to Christ and becoming more like Him? 
Well, there are other tests, and again, other pastors we could look at. But one test is this. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. What's he saying there? We talked a minute ago about the fact that for a new Christian, paying attention to the tongue, that's a, a basic test to know the direction you're going. As a mature Christian, as I look at what I say, Am I using words of anger? Am I using words of gossip? Am I using lies? Am I cursing? On all those things, if I want to be, and I hope you want this, if you're somebody who's been walking with Christ for a while, I want to be as close to Jesus as I can get. I want to be at the foot of the cross. I want to have as much of him in my life as I can get. What's one way I can tell? Now, he says, um, anyone who is never at fault what they say is perfect. Now, he just acknowledged before that, you know, we're all going to stumble. He's not saying you can become perfect, but he, in this life, we will become perfect in the life to come. But what he's saying here is, okay, you, you want a test of how you know when you're perfect? If you were to reach a place where you never say anything that's unkind, you never insult anybody that, uh, that you're not supposed to, you, you, you never gossip about people. You're encouraging folks. You're, there's not lies on your tongue. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. The second half, able to keep their whole body in check. What he's saying there is the opposite of what we said at the beginning. We're like, you know, words don't really matter. We're going to pay attention to the actions. What he's saying there is, if I'm a mature enough Christian that I keep my words in check, almost certainly I keep my actions in check as well. So it's the opposite of the way that we usually think about it. And so, if I want to be a mature Christian, if I want to tell if I'm a mature Christian, one of the things I need to do, and let's do it right now, if you've been walking with Jesus for 10 years, 20 years, 30, 40, let's stop and think. In the last week, how often did I lie to somebody because it was convenient and got me out of an awkward situation? How often did I gossip and say something to somebody that I would never have posted on Facebook or said in their presence, but I said it behind their back because, you know, I, I thought it was juicy information. How many times in the last week did I say something a little sharper than it needed to be because I lost control of my anger when I really should have had it under control? Every single one of those things is an indication I'm not as close to Jesus as I need to be. And every single one of those things is something I need to get rid of because if I can get my tongue under control, if I can get my, my words in check, it's going to be a sign that my life is getting really close to being right where I want it to be with Jesus. Fourth thing is this. Your words can do a lot of damage. Your words can do a lot of damage. Look at three, still in, in James 3, Look at 3 through 6. There's a lot here, and I don't have time to unpack all of it, but let's, let's uh, get the run-up to, to verse 6. Verse 5 and 6. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we, turn, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. 
Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It's those last two sentences I'm interested in. Consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. When you stop and think about it, think of the... So let's go out west for a minute. And we know that there's all these uh, fires out west that have been, you know, the smoke is so thick, you know, in the Midwest, I've heard even all the way to, to New York, that there, there, there's impact from all that smoke flowing all that way. And it all started, there was one spark somewhere in California or Oregon or, or Washington that started a particular fire. One spark that created so much smoke and so much damage that people in New York can, can uh, are having an impact on the air that they breathe there. When you stop and think about churches that end up splitting and people who never come back to church because they see the ugliness that goes on there and they're like, I'm done. And people will walk away and don't come back to church for 40 years and never come back. And then you stop and think, in almost every single one of those situations, it, it happened because one person said words to another person. That's it. No, nobody hit each other. Nobody hit a chair over somebody else. One person said words to another person, and the fire started. When you think about the number of people who, to go back to the example I used earlier about the, the, the block during the children's room, the block and, and, um, and the nail and the hammer, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I bet every single one of us, every single one of us, if we were to be honest and we were to talk about it, can think back. Maybe it's in childhood. Maybe it's something our spouse said. We can think back to something that a teacher or a classmate or a child that we had or our spouse said that cut us so deep that to this day, if we stop and think about it, there might be tears that come to our eyes. Because... What they said hurt us so bad. And even if they come back and apologize, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Those words are still there. And when we revisit them, it still creates a fire within us. We need to understand the words that we use can create a gigantic amount of damage. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Max Lucado in his book on the anvil tells a story of a, of a, a woman who was battling alcoholism and, and she was making progress with it and she was trusting in the Lord and, uh, and she started going to a particular church, a little country church and she was going there because God was helping her and, and, and one day she'd been going there for about six months and, and she was walking in, she was way over here, she was walking in and there were people way over there like near where Doug is at, there were people that they were 20-30 feet away and they didn't think that they could be heard. But as she's walking in, the two women over there, one leaned over to the other and said, how long is that alcoholic going to keep coming around here? And the woman turned around and went back to her car and never went to church again a day in her life. How great a fire is started by that little spark. And we need to be careful 
you and I are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And when we're at work, and I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ at wherever, you know, somebody happens to be working, and you're there and somebody comes up to you with a piece of gossip, and you embrace that gossip and enjoy it so much, who knows that that person that's being gossiped about made your label? Who'd you tell? Well, I told, I told Jim. Jim didn't stand up for what was right. Jim didn't say, I don't want to hear that. Jim didn't stand up for me. He just embraced the gossip. It's not just about me. We're damaging the name of Jesus Christ. Last thing. Is it? Number five. Your mouth can further corrupt your own heart. Your mouth can further corrupt your own heart. So we're talking about, in point number four, the damage that happens outside of us as we hurt people around us. But it also can hurt us as well. Look at the continuation of verse 6. We'll start at the beginning of verse 6 and read down through. Verse 6, we just talked about this. The fire also is, I'm sorry, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Look at this though. It corrupts the whole body, sets on, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. What does that mean it corrupts the whole body? Well, that is not referring to what happens outside, but it's referring to what happens within me. It corrupts the whole body. What does that mean? When I keep saying words that are angry out of my mouth, I become an angrier and angrier person. It's who I am. I say things that are angry, and my heart gets angry. When I say words of gossip, I become more and more of a person of malice and libel because I'm saying those words to folks. When I lie, I become more and more a person who lies. We all know that the way that we say things and the way that we present ourselves becomes more and more who we are. And that's what he's saying there. It corrupts the whole body. Me saying words of anger ends up corrupting me. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire. When I'm saying those words, it's not just damaging others, but it's also setting my life on fire. It's damaging my heart and pointing me away from God as opposed to becoming the person we talked a moment ago that I want to be closer to Christ. I cannot be as close to Christ as I need to be when I'm saying words of gossip. I cannot be as close to Christ as I need to be when I'm saying words of anger. I cannot be as close to Christ as I want to be when I'm saying lies all the time as though they're nothing. I will become a person of lies. I will become a person of gossip. I will become a person of anger. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. I need to be careful because I cannot be who God wants me to be if I am saying these words that are not at all what God wants me to say. Look at the top of your sermon outline. Often we think of actions as being serious, but words as being insignificant. These five passages this morning make it clear from all these different perspectives. We need to pay attention to the words that we say because they are spiritually substantial. And so the question this morning is, in each of our lives, am I, with what I say, honoring God? Or am I, with what I say, setting the world and setting my own heart on fire? Let's pray. Father, I ask you to forgive us this morning. I think it's true of all of us. We downplay. Father, your word doesn't give us any reason to.
take it seriously? Just to pick one example, it's, I mean, it's, it's a stereotype, it's a, it's a joke about how oftentimes in Baptist churches the, the gossip train is called a prayer list or a prayer line. We need to take it seriously. Pray this morning for conviction and clarity. In each of our hearts, some of us have anger problems. Some of us have truth problems. Some of us have gossip problems. <clears throat> some of us, Father, have problems with these other issues we're going to be talking about. Father, help us to see where we're falling short with the words that we use. And help us to recognize we need to change if we want to claim to be a mature Christian. I pray in Jesus' name. song this morning is 406 wonderful words of life and as we stand and sing this morning if you desire to come forward and spend a moment at the altar you're more than welcome to do so if you want to pray about what we've talked about this morning i would love for you to have some time with the holy spirit up here to pray if there's other needs this morning for salvation rededication to join the church you're more than welcome to come forward as well as we sing let's spend some moments reflecting on our own lives as we stand again Thank you.